Hello and welcome to the Profitable Brands Podcast with me, Rebecca, owner of Sugar Branded Branding Agency. We help beauty businesses harness the power of branding so they can grow their client base and earn more money. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Alison Elsie. She is a specialist in rejuvenating skin treatments. She offers anti-wrinkle injections, non-permanent dermal fillers, and she also has a platform where she offers services that help around menopause support. So we'll be talking about that in this episode, as well as her journey from being a full-time GP to finding her love of focusing on women's health. And we'll also be talking about how to use AI in your business. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's dive in. Tell me about your about yourself, about your journey to this point in your business. Um, I'll let you take the floor. Okay. Um, well, as you know, I'm a GP. And um, when I finished my GP training, I lived in London and I decided what was I going to do with my maternity leave because not having had any children before I I I kind of expected that I would have absolutely tons of time on my maternity <laughs> leave so I I decided to look around for different diplomas to do and one that came up um, at Queen Mary's University was one in dermatology so I thought yeah I'll do a dermatology um, advanced certificate whilst I'm on my maternity leave. While you're on maternity leave. <laughs> yeah so um, that's sort of how I got started with an interest in skin mm-hmm. and um, women's health and those are my two sort of main interests. So- yeah because you people like aren't familiar with the work that you do so you would class yourself as a specialist in um, like anti-wrinkle injections and like non-permanent dermal fillers would you say yeah in sort of um, cosmetic dermatology yeah so exactly that um anti-wrinkle injections dermal fillers and skin boosters and um, radiofrequency microneedling so like rejuvenation type treatments that's kind of like what your where your like passion lies because you do also you're also growing your platform um around menopause aren't you you have a a business that's around supporting women through menopause yeah so I've always had a really strong interest in women's health and I nearly did change my career path to do um obs and gynae but if I'm honest I just couldn't hack the lifestyle that those guys have mm-hmm. uh, but I've always been interested in women's health and yeah menopause is was such a big topic wasn't it throughout um lockdown and with the various programs on tv and highlighting it more and I just felt in general practice again that I didn't have enough time to do it justice Mm-hmm. I was originally going to join another company but I decided actually I I prefer being my own boss so so to speak and so yeah I've got my own menopause clinic now in Plymouth there yeah so there's I have a whole set of questions to do with the menopause topic okay, but cool. just to touch on something that you just said so where you started your journey and you were initially a GP and then when you're on a maternity you decided to do your dermatology course what was yeah. your motivation for wanting to um kind of have a slight pivot in your career was it just because you wanted to fill your time while you're on maternity leave or was it you saw yourself wanting to have a change of the way that you work or the things that you do yeah I think it's probably a combination of all of those isn't it so a lot of GPs do have a niche interest so you had a sort of natural inclination towards focusing on women's health anyway from the very beginning 
And when like the reality actually came, because a lot of my audience are mums as well, who are trying to build their business alongside being a mum. When the reality actually came, when you had your first child and you're trying to do this course, what was that like, the juggle? Yeah, I mean, as as mums know, you're up a lot in the night. So I used to spend my evenings waiting for the, you know, do the dream feed business, spend Mm -hmm. my evenings writing essays, um, waiting for my daughter to wake up. Um, carry on. but I did manage to get a distinction so I'm very proud of that oh well done <laughs> yeah, I know, on maternity leave with a baby but I have three children now so yeah I've been through the pain on more than one occasion <laughs> and and how old are they your children they're 12 10 and 7 okay yeah. so a little bit older now are you finding it like a tiny bit easier to like manage work and like building these businesses alongside being a yeah. mum or just different challenges yeah definitely I mean everyone knows what a hard that's being a mum is probably the hardest job mm-hmm. and definitely small children that are not at school is really really hard mm-hmm. although people have school children you just know your day is practically over before yeah. you feel like it's time to pick them up again <laughs> yeah it goes so quick and I never really understood it when I had friends who had kids in school and I thought but they're literally out from like nine until three that's such a long time but the reality is by the time you've got back tidied up after the mess they've made in the house got yourself ready sat down to work and then thought okay now I need to go and prepare to pick them up it goes by in a flash it's crazy so my top tip as you know I've just been for a run is just Mm -hmm. to literally forget about the house and just go and go and do the exercise go and do your thing first yeah before you then have to carry on with the mundane tasks yeah yeah and get I think getting into some sort of routine as well like for me when the kids are having breakfast that's when I'll get myself ready so we're like very routine with that I think that helps a lot with managing things and also probably trying not to set huge expectations for yourself when your kids are so small because yeah definitely really good tips Rebecca yeah I think it's when you're out of the fog you realize wow that was actually really hard and why did I put so much pressure on myself at the time yeah definitely let's talk a bit more about like the menopause side of your business so you do um consultations don't need to help do you do you focus on um like the mental health side of menopause as well or more the physical um you know side of it all doctors are meant to take so a holistic approach so look at every aspect mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that I was finding in general practice that obviously with the time constraints of 10 maybe 15 minutes there really mm-hmm. wasn't enough time to cover everything so in my consultations they are really thorough um, I allow 45 minutes to go through everything and I have a questionnaire that I send out to patients that's a recognized questionnaire by the British Menopause Society just to look at every symptom and then I usually start by giving that person an opportunity to tell me their story ranging from um, skin vulval health which is bizarrely another interest of mine well I suppose it wouldn't be that bizarre with what we just talked about when did you develop this this interest um, from the outset, I've always been interested in skin and always been interested in women's health. I do I do talk about everything because I'm trying to really obviously make a difference and do a good job. And do you think, because um, I know that you said you noticed that there was a trend in the awareness around menopause, around lockdown. Do you think that treatments and businesses that are focused around serving like the needs of menopause people going through menopause do you think that's going to become more common and more popular going forward um yeah absolutely that's a good question and 
Um, I have seen various clinics pop up with menopause help and I'm actually quite intrigued to see what they offer and what they seem to be offering is things like random injections of vitamins Mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't recommend or there is a non-regulated form of HRT called called bioidentical HRT and it's not a regulated medication it seems to be easy to say that you're a menopause expert and what those people do is they take saliva Mm -hmm. from a patient's mouth apart from they probably don't call their their patients patients because they're probably clients to them Mm -hmm. and they send it off to a lab and they do a one-off split reading of these hormones and then prescribe them made up lozenges in that pharmacy Mm -hmm. I have had patients contact me that have tried those and maybe they've got a snapshot where they've had a really low level of estrogen and then they've been given these lozenges and they've suddenly got a really high level of estrogen and they feel really unwell so there's been a pop-up in a lot of unregulated activity I'm really surprised that there's so little regulation around um the, the prescription of hormones I would have thought it's something that was quite highly regulated but that's really interesting yeah um with you, with your work with menopause and your rejuvenation like treatments what's your personal opinion what is your view on like the idea of aging gracefully or aging with help like what is your view on on that because I always find this such an interesting topic because I speak with a lot of people that are in the aesthetics business and um in the beauty industry in general and I just find it so interesting to hear people's views on you know being natural versus should we change this about ourselves what's your view on things like that my personal view is that I do this to make people feel better about themselves if someone's happy to age gracefully and not worry about it then that's great I'm really happy for them Mm -hmm. and if someone else wants a few tweaks just to make themselves feel a bit better then I'm happy to offer that service and make them feel better about themselves because a lot of people looking from the outside think it or could perceive it to be quite a difficult thing. And I actually kept it secret that I was had this interest in aesthetics until mm-hmm. lockdown when I thought I'm not going to keep the secret anymore because I was worried that my colleagues would judge me for um, doing these sort of superficial treatments. Mm-hmm. But really, in all honesty, I go to work and I see people that are, are generally well and I make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. So I just love that because being a GP, when when I see people in general practice, they come to me, they feel miserable, and sometimes there might not be something I can do for them. And mm-hmm. whilst I'll do my best, and they may appreciate that, it's still quite depressing. So it's nice to have this other um, thing to do that I can make people feel better about themselves. And as you said, if people want to age na- naturally and gracefully by themselves and they feel fine about that, then I'm happy for them. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, even though it might appear to be something that's really superficial, when we feel good about ourselves, we're happier and kinder people to other people as well. Yeah, we show up in such a more positive way, like in our in our lives and our interactions. So um yeah, it's really interesting to hear your your point of view on that. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, so you trained in dermatology when was it in 2012 was it that you trained in dermatology yeah (laughs) so you've been practicing for like over a decade now so obviously things are going well for you in that side of things what would be your top tips for someone who wanted to start out in dermatology or aesthetics um, but feels like a bit worried about taking that first leap 
Um, I think really it's a good idea to build the basics first. And that's what I think a lot of people listen to your podcast. They've said is focus on the basics first before you jump in and want to know everything. Mm-hmm. And as I've heard people say previously, all of this takes time and experience because the, the fact that I've been through this really long journey means that I am better to be, I'm much better equipped at dealing with communication problems um, that may arise if someone was dissatisfied or can't get achieve something or if rarely if there is a problem um, then I'm obviously very experienced to deal with that and um, even things like people having vasovagal collapses I've been working in the A&E department so I would say probably don't give us don't put pressure on yourself take your time and realize it's going to be an end game it's not something you can just do on a quick course and get there really fast you're going to have to have like a five ten year plan if that's what you want to do it's not yeah. overnight so as you said be kind to yourself g- gain the experience and take your time yeah I think especially if you're like that little bit um older it can be hard to start from the beginning and start as a beginner especially when I think when you see on social media other people that might be in the same industry as you sometimes it can seem like they've had like an overnight success and you don't see the five or ten years they've been putting in the work to get to a certain place and I think as well um a lot of people not everyone but a lot of people get into the beauty industry and they take a course and they think that's going to be their made especially aesthetics because there is a lot of potential money to be made in aesthetics and people can take a course and think once I've qualified that's going to be me done I'm going to have this amazing business but there's so much mindset work and learning and failing that goes into getting to you know the point that you're at at the moment one of the things I think I said at my medical school interview was that I like the idea that I'm always learning and it's definitely the case one of my other sort of newer ventures is to learn ultrasound so I've Mm -hmm. been learning ultrasound for facial aesthetics so that I can map out where any arteries are and avoid blocking them I can look at fillers in the face so yeah it's still a continuous learning journey for Mm -hmm. everybody Um, so you've just got to get that in mind you're not going to go go into this and think I'm going to be an overnight well, nobody does, I guess, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my favorite things about like being in business and being um, like an entrepreneurship is that you get to learn so many new skills, especially where technology is changing so quickly now. Um, even like in my role with branding and design, like all of the AI stuff and so many new tools and technologies change the way that I work so often. But I absolutely love like learning all these new things um I find that like really satisfying so yeah I think if you're open to learning and taking on new skills and starting as a beginner um that is probably like one of the number one tips that most people that ask that question to say I want to ask you you mentioned about using artificial intelligence and obviously I've had a look at that myself Mm -hmm. because I'm starting to work on sort of blog posts so I was wondering um what your experience is with artificial intelligence and how you use it to help your brands yeah so I think with AI it's such I feel like there was such a hype around it like at the beginning of the year and everyone was just like freaking out and thinking it's going to replace everyone's jobs and like this amazing new tool and it is so helpful I would say especially for um, writing content and just 
take like saving time and for time efficiency it's really great but I think it's a skill in itself to be able to learn how to use it effectively because if you're just going to go into say chat GBT and say write me a blog post on A, B and C and then you're going to copy and paste that blog post in onto your page it's not going to get you the results and that human connection that you want to be gaining from that long form content so the whole point of creating content, especially something like a blog post, is that it's a valuable piece of content that's going to stay there for a really long time. So why would you want something that's substandard to be there that people are referring back to and associating with you for a really long time? I would say it's better to invest more time, even if you need, even if you're not, not, not a natural writer and you need to invest in maybe like some sort of copywriting help or something to get that blog post feeling and sounding great. I think that's more valuable than relying just on chat GPT. But for me, I feel like it does have a its place for sure. Um, like for example, with myself, if I write a blog post, I'll use it to summarize that blog post into a like set of three Instagram posts, or I might ask it to summarize what I've written to create like a little summary of the blog post. Or um, sometimes I will... I mean, AI is like so vast that so I can also put in this audio for this podcast into an AI generator and it will generate a summary for my podcast. So it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it is so useful. And, but like I said, it's a skill in itself. I don't think you can just go onto an AI website and generate something great. But if you learn the skill of how to tailor it, because you can even change like your tone of voice that it's coming out with. And the more you use it and the more you interact with it, it will get to know what you're trying to achieve and it will become more personalized to you and less generic so it's a skill in itself that needs time investment to be able to use it in the best way um so I guess like in short I wouldn't recommend writing a whole blog post with chat GPT but definitely use it to help um you know help tweak what you've written and I think having a good copywriter um is really valuable I think it's like a skill that people overlook so much now especially now where um everything is so like at our fingertips with copy and people just kind of like copy things from other websites and copy this here and we don't value the written communication but when you have a great copywriter like you'll notice the difference um and the thing is as well with copywriting if it's something like on your website or like a blog post these are investments that you don't need to change or tweak for like years to come so once it's done and you've invested in getting that copy amazing you're going to see the results of that and the rewards of that for like going forward as you said that websites are there for a, a very long time aren't there and people mm-hmm. can look back at your website and I think a lot of us do fo- focus quite a lot on social media these days mm. I'm just wondering if it is the right way to be going um with artificial intelligence and I just was interested to hear your view on that I think if you have the budget to invest you cannot replace a copywriter with AI but yeah AI has its time and its place I would say if it was me personally I wouldn't use AI to write the content on my website because I think it just doesn't feel like you and at the end of the day when people we're human beings so even though we're connecting over digital space we can still um pick up on those human qualities of communication and 
how somebody might be engaging with you. Say you posted a video or you're on this podcast and they think, oh, I'd really love to work with Alison. And then they go onto a website and what they're reading isn't connecting with what they they expected to hear from you. That's something that can put them off buying and engaging with you further. So it's really important that whatever's on your website and your social media sounds and feels like like yeah. you. I think that's really great advice and I'm going to write my own yeah <laughs> carry on I've done one yeah so. <laughs> so try it but if you do write your own copy on the website then maybe you could use um AI to create summaries of what you've written or um once you have written the really co- a really cool tool that's in AI which is really great is that once you've written your own piece of writing in your own language in your own style you can then create a prompt that says write about this subject in a way that sounds like this piece of copy so which is really good because then it will start to learn the natural language and the way of writing that you have um so try try that and see if you're happy like with the results that it comes out with okay and which platform do you do you use for that one chat gpt is like what i would use for that one i didn't even know it could do that i think you need like i think you need a course that to set up a course in chat gpt that's what i mean yeah it's all of these things that with and the thing is with with ai is it is like um it's always learning in itself like that's the whole nature of the software which makes it some people are like oh my gosh it's going to take over the world because it's constantly learning and developing based on what we input into it so um it is a whole skill in itself to to try and um try and use it but you can even just Google quick, useful prompts for ChatGPT and it will give you so many things. You're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that it could do that. And it's it does really, really amazing things. Yeah, I was interested to see what it would write about polynucleotides, which is a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the British College of Aesthetic Medicine conference and polynucleotides are sort of the latest injectable treatment. And I'm going on a course soon so that I can um, buy this particular brand that's meant to be really good. Um, what is this new treatment? I'm intrigued to know. So it, it's going to sound really odd, but um, so polynucleotides, they repair DNA at a cellular level. So it um, repairs fine lines, wrinkles, and it can also treat skin treatments, which obviously makes me very excited. Things mm-hmm. like rosacea, um, wound healing. It's actually purified salmon or trout particles mm-hmm. that they get, I believe, for some of them, they get them from spermatozoa of those fish. And they're purified in, in a lab um, and you inject them in tiny little blebs under the skin. And it really improves hydration of the skin. All of those things I said. Um, every time I read about it, I find it it's really hard to explain, which is why I asked ChatGP to explain. <laughs> Even yeah. between yourself and ChatGPT, we're still limited on the information. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. But I think that was a really good summary. That's really interesting. It's so fascinating to see all the new um, products and treatments that are becoming available. Um, I think we're lucky because we have a lot more available to us um, than obviously non-dissolvable fillers, overdone Botoxes. Do you do your menopause, any menopause support online and virtually or is it only um, like in-person clients that you have? Yeah, I do offer um, virtual consultations, although, as I said, it's my passion really to see people face face to face. But I appreciate that's not always easy for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do offer online consultations and probably the easiest way to have a look is either via my website or mm-hmm. 
via my Instagram. So um, it's Dr. Alison Elsie for my aesthetic side of things and the menopause clinic is called menopause decisions so either of those you can find me i will put the links in the description so people can go and find you if they want to reach out to you have any questions um but yeah thank you so much for coming on it's been really great to speak with you i hope you enjoyed this most recent episode of the profitable brands podcast remember if you have any questions about any of the content we spoke about in this episode you can always reach out to me directly on instagram my account is at sugarbranded and there's so many different ways i can support you on your branding journey to start growing your business opening yourself up to new opportunities launching a product line or just getting your first few clients All of the information on my branding services can be found in the details of this episode. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.